the supernatural as something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. AM 1420, WBSN presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good, good evening, folks. This is Matt Moniz stepping in for Tim Weisberg, who's out reporting on a game tonight. I'm here with Matt Costa and Andrew Lake. Tonight we'll be talking with Terry Garofalo. She is the uh, author and artist for Entities Are Us, a Ghost Hunters comic strip. Now, a lot of people in the paranormal uh, take what they do very seriously, and for good reason. And uh, Terry has taken the characters that uh, form in a lot of these groups and have, has made a very lighthearted uh, look at what ghost hunting is really about and uh she does it in good tongue-in-cheek fashion we'll bring we'll be bringing her on a little later on and uh but right now i want to talk a little bit about one of the places where we met mrs garofalo and that's the houghton mansion i have andrew lake here with me hey andrew howdy now i've been to the houghton mansion before a couple of times and it has a great history now you had a chance being your first time there to really go through the place, and I want your impression of what you thought of the place. Oh, uh, it was just it was it was just so cool to be there. I've, I've read about it, talked to so many people who've been there, and it really met up to my expectations. It's a um, a super old building with with a um, a super vibe to it. it. It's rich in history, not just with the owner, but the area it's located in North Adams, Mass. North Adams up in the Berkshires is a pretty beautiful place. Oh, huh? it's gorgeous up there. And uh, the tragedy that happened uh, was, um, for its time, uh, very somber for the residents because uh, the people involved were, you know, were public figures in the town. And uh, it was a car accident with a Pierce Arrow, which is one of the first automobiles here, and it rolled down one of the steep ravines in, up in the area and killed the owner's daughter and one of her friends and... Later on, the driver, who was so distraught over the incident, uh, went out to the horse barn and uh, basically shot himself. Yeah, very next day and uh, did it with a horse pistol. And, uh, well, 11 days later, A.C. himself passed away. Correct. So now the building itself has been donated to the local area masons, Freemasons. And uh, they've kept the building pretty much as it was structurally. Obviously, the interior has been redecorated to be a more of a Masonic lodge, but you can still see it as being a remnant of a fine, stately manor. It was basically attachment to the back, the the, uh, the Masonic temple. Right, but I'm saying the rest of the building. They, exactly yeah. as it was in the Houghton's day, yeah. Right, and um, plenty of activity seen all throughout that building from cellar to attic. Uh, the footage they were showing me from other paranormal groups that have been in there, the... Uh, Video clips, uh, photographs, and EVPs caught there it was just—it was phenomenal. That's one great thing about uh, the Houghton Mansion. Uh, they allow anybody that wants a chance to go through there to go there for modest means. And uh, one of the only requirements they they'd like to have is that you got to share whatever you find. And some of the people have definitely got some very 
compelling evidence, put it that way. Yeah, I saw a video clip of a, um, a shadow figure moving uh, uh, down a hallway in one direction and then turn around and move up the other way, and uh, there was an investigator in the shot who had no idea this had happened. It's pretty spectacular. It it has um, a charm all its own. Yeah. If, if you ever get a chance to go there, it's um, unique architecture. Like like you said, they built the Masonic Lodge as an attachment off the back end of the house, and um, it really doesn't look that out of place. But you know, it's obviously an extension of what the building once was. Uh, now, there's not that much stuff that really happens in the lodge itself, but the rest of the house. Uh, in the back, the room where there was a photograph taken on the uh, third floor. But if you're, if you go up there, you have to bear in mind that at the time the photograph was taken, there were large boxes and uh, it, it you was couldn't even get to the window. R- is what Josh Montella was telling right. us. Right, it was basically used as storage. Right, the room was used as storage, and if somebody was to be standing in that window, it it wasn't all that possible because of the way the material that was stored there. The picture's even freakier when it's blown up. Yeah. It's definitely... Somebody, some, somebody standing there yeah. looking out the window. Yes. Yeah, it's it's not a not a reflection on the glass. It's pretty spooky. Yeah. yeah appropriate for yeah, the show. Yeah, for the show, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the basement, though, the, um, one of the things I found fascinating is they were talking about um, they have a phenomena down in the, uh, the basement uh, besides seeing a little girl hearing her mm-hmm. down there running around in the dark, uh, which is spooky enough. Uh, they see what they call sparklies, little sparkles of light down in the dark, these little fast-moving orbs. And I found that very fascinating because in some of my investigations and with my own eyes in some other locations, I've seen the same thing that they're describing in the Houghton Mansion. So I think um, I think there's a you know some kind of correlation there, some kind of commonality in paranormal investigating. I would... Now, this is just speculation on my point. I would think it would have to do something with the amount of quartz. Now, obviously, where, yeah. where the Houghton Mansion is, is surrounded by quartz, and part of the overpass and retaining walls come from the Hoosack Tunnel. Which is <laughs> yeah, which is pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, another haunted location. If uh, people haven't heard that story, the nearby uh, uh, train tunnel that took, um, how many lives was it? Uh, it was an outrageous over a dozen, over a dozen yeah, lives. I think it was so. close to twenty in all. Yeah. It was it was quite a feat to build the tunnel. It's still active to this day uh, for train travel, but active as far as the ghosts of the guys who it died was, in it. If I recall correctly, it was one death per mile. Yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. something outrageous like that. But I've uh, I've talked to a few people that have been in there, and they have seen glowing lights that they can't explain. It's uh, and and some of them described them to be the shape of people, which is pretty spooky. Well, what's interesting is uh, one of the central uh, vent shafts is right near the mansion. Yeah. Which, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's, Something it, up. It's definitely an interesting place. Uh, oh, yeah. We were lucky to have uh, gone up there, and uh, we got a chance to film a 30-odd minutes episode yep. there for the yep. people that aren't aware yeah this tuesday if people want to uh, check us out at 30odminutes.com i think you'll enjoy it i uh, josh mantello and the uh, uh the staff there uh well staff but his his team members i should say uh did a great job on the show yes they, they were quite helpful and uh, gives people an idea of what the place looks like inside oh yeah we covered it yeah. <laughs> in 29 minutes jeff and i covered it running through that building with the camera jeff Langer, yeah. yes it uh it's a very spacious place. I'm Huge. not sure of the total amount of square footage, but um, most people will get an idea once they watch the episode that, yeah, that you're dealing with a very large place. And uh, 
the, the town itself, everybody I've talked to that have, when I've been out there, you know, eating in the local restaurants and stuff, and I mentioned ho- mansion, first words out of their mouth, well, that place is haunted. Well, yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it was known in the town to have been haunted right after, you know, the events that transpired. So this is something that's ingrained in the culture. You know, mm. it, if you stand outside and people driving by, get out of there, it's haunted. You know, you know locals will let you know. You know, even, you know, the local mailman who I had a chance to actually talk to who was driving by, this is like, this place has been known to have been haunted for over 60-something years when I was a kid. You know, you, you get these little New England Yankees telling you the little stories about but it's interesting that a place like that holds such a rich history. And it does because it's one of the 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 focal points of the town from when it was formed. Well, it was actually formed a while, but this guy was... A big mover and shaker. AC was. Oh yeah, he yeah. ran yeah. a printing company, one of the largest in and, New England. And he's basically really responsible for putting the town on its yeah. financial map where it is. So, the town, uh, you, I believe, he was also responsible for out bringing uh, the local uh, university. If I'm yes, mistaken, yes. You know, he helped with the funding with some of that. So that made the town what it is. So they they've always had a an affinity for you know thanking. Thanking this guy for help making the, the beautiful yeah, town. He, he wasn't Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. No, he was, he, he was a, pretty he was a very decent philanthropist. He helped with a lot of stuff in the town and get it established. And uh, everybody knows the place and knows its history. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Josh was saying that uh, one of their favorite things to do is when they see the college kids going by at night and pointing out that that's, that's the haunted building, they like to jump up in front of windows real quick just to, <laughs> <laughs> just to, just to bust a little bit. Yeah. I mean... It is. It's on one of my favorite lists oh, to go God, yeah. to go check out. Obviously, and uh, I got to check with Maddie. How are we doing for commercials? Do we have any that we got to burn? Well, we can burn a couple. Well, let's do that right now, just to make sure that we cover our obligations. Okay. With we'll, the, uh, uh, <clears throat> we'll take a break, and then the news. I'd be back on the other side of the hour. Okay, and then we'll bring up Terry. Okay. So ha- hang out with us. This is uh, Matt Moniz and. Standing in for Tim Weisberg, you're listening to Spooky South Coast, WBSM. From the studios of AM 1420 WBSM, into the night and beyond. Here's more of... Now it's time for a breakdown. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> Spooky South Coast is burned. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I can smell your tears. I'm not afraid. You will. Supernatural or something that isn't supposed to 
Welcome back, listeners. This is Matt Moni stepping up and taking over for Tim Weisberg, who's out on the field uh, doing some sports reporting. Here with Matt Costa, the silent assassin, and Andrew Lake, a Greenville paranormal. Tonight we have uh, Terry Garofalo. She is the author and artist for Entities Are Us, a Ghost Hunters comic, a very good comic strip. And uh, Terry's been kind enough to come on our show. Uh, we, Andy and I met her at uh, the event at Houghton Mansion uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we decided, yeah, why don't we bring her on? Because uh, she definitely does have a different outlook on, you know, ghost hunting and the paranormal and the people in it. Uh, you can, Matt? Can we bring up Terry? Sure. Hey, Terry, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Terry. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, we've been reading some of your comics, and we find them quite amusing. Now, uh, if you would, would you give us give the listeners a little bit of a background about who you are and how you came about uh, drawing these characters? Oh, that's a long story. <laughs> well, we've got 50 minutes. We've got 50 minutes. Okay, I think we can fill that up. Um, I've been always drawn cartoons at, at, from high school on, and that was back in the Jurassic period, so <laughs> long time. And I've, uh, you know, toyed with cartoon strips for off and on through the years. And, uh, you know, more recently I did one called In Spirit, and it, it was about a ghost who was haunting a place, and a guy moves in, and there's a altercation, and they bring in some ghost hunters. And in this particular cartoon strip, it ran over the whole strip. So I said, you know what, let's pull Entities Are Us out and make it its own cartoon. And uh, I launched it as a webcomic in uh, 08, and uh, it's been gaining popularity and going strong ever since. Now, uh, in looking at your your strip, I noticed there are various um, characters in there that you obviously modeled after certain stereotypes that happened in paranormal research groups, in groups in particular. And um, I have to admit, some of them you have nailed down quite good. Would you uh, describe for the listeners the list of your characters? Oh, my characters are not really modeled after anyone specific. Um, no, I'm saying they're a collage of stereotypes. I pull, you know, when you make a character, you kind of like, you throw a name out and then you start adding little character traits to the basket and... And the more you draw it, the more it unfolds and becomes more. You don't really know what your character is until you've drawn it for a while. And uh, they're, they're, you know, I, I find new things about them all the time. Um, I have Arno. Arno is basically the lead investigator. And he's the one, he's got lots of, uh, he's kind of adventurous, but he's a geek. And, you know, so you can kind of get that from him. Then I have Merv, who's, uh, he's kind of a refugee from the hairband uh <laughs> And uh, he was a sound guy, and <laughs> now he's a tech guy. So we have Merv. Uh, Erna's our psychic. She's um, she looks like me in my college hippie days. <laughs> um, let's see who else. I have uh, uh, oh Vlad. Vlad is uh, our demonologist, and he's kind of obvious because he kind of dresses like a vampire. and thinks he's kind of spooky. Uh, and then Vera, she's kind of a new one. She's new in the last year. Uh, she came out of, I, drew, I wanted to draw an energy vampire, so I just drew her. And then uh, somebody I know who does a newsletter wanted me to draw a cartoon about uh, Wiccan. 
So, well, Vera became a Wiccan, and then she became a, a, an investigator on the Strip, and then, and then she's now she's permanent. Oh. And we have ghosts, Carl and Thor from Ouija Night, and um, a bunch of stuff. Excellent. Now, you also get to include various paranormal celebrities into your strips. And can you uh, talk about a few of the celebrities that you've had and uh, what it was like to be able to, you know, put them in in the uh, strips? Yeah, I invented the guest draw, actually, around Brian Harnoff. Uh, I ran across him in Twitter, and I jokingly asked him to, uh, I said, would you like to guest star in Entities or Us Ghost Hunter comment? Of course, he was all over that. So I, you know, I did some character sketches and sent them to him, and I did the final comic, sent that to him. He liked that, and he posts them all over his website at this point. <laughs> um, so that kind of started it. And then I kind of, like, started feeling other people out for guest draws, and I'd actually correspond with them and have them look at it. Um, I've kind of a- abandoned that at this point because it's hard to get the, the big guns out there because they're very busy. So, uh, I mean, I started, I had Barry Fitzgerald and Dustin Perry, um, Chris Williams, Amy Bruni. Um, I've done, uh, oh, God. Jeff Belanger. Jeff Belanger, the Kling Brothers. Uh, I did a whole series in the Kling Brothers because I investigated with them. Uh, and I like that. If I can investigate with somebody, I can cartoon them really well. You know, it just makes it a little bit easier. So we, people like the guest draw, so I just keep doing them, popping on. Well, you did a good one with uh, Andrew and myself and Sarah and and Jeff from Thirty Odd Minutes. That, <laughs> we we uh, we enjoyed that. That was definitely quite entertainment to watch you do it right there in front of us, and we were, we appreciated it. Yeah, you uh, you nailed Sarah by putting the uh, the uh, technology in her hand. <laughs> the woman cannot put down her technology. Yeah, she was wearing, she was carrying her technology everywhere, so it just sort of, uh, you know, I just had to draw it in. So, yeah. and Jeff is really easy. All you do is have somebody picking his nose, or he's picking his own. So <laughs> <laughs> I got a bunch of pictures of him doing that. So, yeah, if he's Jeff, not- Jeff acting immature? No, no. Oh, not Jeff. No, not him. <laughs> now, what was uh, some of the inspiration behind some of your uh, comics here? And do you have um, specific investigations that brought some of these into light? You know, did, were, were they uh, basically an impetus for it? Um, yeah, like I said, a lot of times if I'm on investigation, you know, I, lots of ideas come out of that. And In fact, I tend to, when I go on one, cartoon the whole thing. You know, I'll just sit down and write, a, write up a whole list. I remember, you know, we were up until 4 in the morning at the Shanley, and I got up at 8 in the morning to sit down and write ideas down. <laughs> I was really tired that weekend. So a lot of these are based on the actual events that you went on, and you're satirizing them, basically? Yeah, pretty much. And I also watch the shows. I try to watch just about all of them so that I can I get ideas from that. And, uh, you know, it just things drop out. Sometimes it isn't really related to the paranormal, but it fits in there, so it goes in. Excellent. Yeah. Now, what are your plans to do with this in the future? Are you looking to um, make I know you already have a book out. Do you want to plug your book? Yes, I'd like to plug my book, of course. Go for it. Yes, it's uh, my first book. It's uh, Entities Are Us, Ghost Hunter Comic, Paranormal Humor for the Ghost Hunter Soul. 
and it kind of starts talks about the beginnings of the cartoon and uh, there's a lot of there's a paranormal story my first one i put that in there um there's um you want to share your paranormal first paranormal experience with us your um yeah i'll do that um there's also the you know there's the characters are listed in there it's all very funny uh if my editor was cracking up while reading it it can't be too bad <laughs> and it's this beginning cartoons it's they start from 08 and they work up through through partially into 09 there's color ones and there's black and white so nice mix cool now what was your uh first experience now if you said you were going to share it with us sure um my first experience happened right out of college we moved uh my two roommates and i moved into a house in uh, south hartford connecticut and uh, we were the first people to live there i think obviously since the uh, owner had passed away (laughs) I didn't really know that at the time, found out later. Um, and I had, at that point in my life, debunked everything, including existence, because I took philosophy. Uh-huh. So, you know, nothing exists. You can't prove it. Too bad, you know. So I kind of had a clean slate. So my uh, first, my experiences were I would be in my room at night, and something would hold me down in my bed, would whisper in my ear, um, you know, and... My roommates saw them walking around the house. I didn't. I fortunately did not see them, and I wasn't exactly prepared for that at the time. <laughs> There'd be just this heavy feeling in the hallway all the time. They, they were, you know, they would just be upstairs. And it turns out um, a fellow died in my room of an alcoholic stupor, so obviously he didn't know he was dead. So he had a woman living in his room. He couldn't figure it out. Uh, I eventually got angry with him and told him to stop pestering me and I, that he should help me out. Kind of did my impersonation of my mother, you know, and hollered at him. <laughs> he shaped right up, and uh, he would turn lights off and on for me. Um, if I didn't set my alarm, he'd shake the bed to wake me up in the morning. And uh, he once moved, I was dating my husband at the time, and he, the ghost moved a love letter from him. It was on my nightstand and left it on my, on the jewelry box that my husband had made me. Oh, alarm so clock and a romantic. Yeah, it was a romantic ghost, kind of. So and we had like it was like a dialogue that went on between me and the ghost, even though it wasn't a necessarily a, a two-way conversation, basically. And we sort of had a communication kind of going on. Yeah, that's what made it interesting, actually. So that was kind of the first experience. So now you're saying your roommate also saw? Yeah, I had a roommate. He, he saw. <clears throat> Two ghosts walking through the house. There was a, a guy in his 40s followed by an older woman. And the guy in his 40s was walking around. He was wearing a suit. And he had a knife and fork in his hand. And he was moving around like he was conducting. Okay. <laughs> so it was a pretty clear apparition, apparently. Okay. Uh, and the other one that he was able to witness, not much more detail? or. Um. Well, he met, he witnessed that. The other person didn't see anything. She basically hid in the room because she was scared out of her mind. Ah, okay. Now, well, that did, was that. <laughs> did your husband-to-be witness any experiences while he was uh, staying over with you? Uh, he got he was really freaked out by the upstairs hallway. He just did an awful time heading to the bathroom. <laughs> it was just, it was tough. So he didn't witness anything. Um, I did have, oh, I had one major thing happen, because he didn't really believe what was going on. And I was on the phone with him, and he lived in New York, and I was in Hartford, so we would be back and forth on the weekend. So I was talking to him on the phone one night, 
And my bed started shaking, like, forget it. Like, someone had grabbed it and just, like, was rocking it back and forth. You know, I jumped out, like, you know, freaking out. And I'm like, you won't believe what's going on. And I ran downstairs, and I asked, does anything move down here? I, like, tried, tried to debunk the whole thing. It was completely impossible to debunk this stuff. So, I mean, it was like they were trying to tell me that, yeah, we exist, you know, and he has to believe it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of making his uh, presence... Poignant, yeah. Noted, yeah. Now, were, yeah. Those, were those experiences? Is that what what got you in, involved in hanging out with other ghost hunters and going? I on? didn't start hanging out with ghost hunters till I actually started doing the cartoon. See, I, after after that point, I had different paranormal experiences. I lived in a haunted house for ten years, and I, you know, I was just so used to having it around and never thought much about it. And then with the advent of uh, ghost hunters and some of these other shows, I'm like, I'm going to do a cartoon about that. And then next thing I know, this is all going on. And next thing I know, I'm I'm investigating too. So, so you, you were investigating uh, to help out with your cartoons. Did, yeah. How did the other ghost hunters, you know, react? It's like, well, we got this guy to do EVPs, and this girl's doing video, and what are you doing? Well, I'm going to be drawing cartoons of you guys ghost hunting. What was their reaction to that? <laughs> no, I do investigating. I, I do pictures and EVPs, and you know, I, so my group was kind of loose anyway. So you didn't have you didn't have a headlamp on and a pad and a and a pen drawing them while they were doing this then. I don't carry a pad or anything like that. I do all that afterwards, pretty much. Gotcha. So I don't, you know, when I'm on investigation, it's strictly investigation. Whatever comes of it, I have to recount it in the morning or something. So, and actually, I pull it off of EVPs because when I'm scanning EVPs, I, I make note of jokes to whoever I'm with. And oh yeah, right, right. That's smart. So I actually pulled a couple off today. I was like, oh yeah, that happened. <laughs> so you try and incorporate the evidence that you may gather into the strips yes actually i do ever catch any uh evps while you're uh going through these recordings oh yeah i actually catch a lot of evps i think i don't i don't know if i'm a beacon for ghost talk or something but I, for some reason i seem to pull out quite a few do you ever get a, a really good joke from an evp oh uh, i have one today i, I had an evp today Actually, I had a couple of good jokes from EVPs, but the, I have an EVP today that I picked out. Said, uh, I said something like, um, would you like a piece of my turkey? Really? Yeah, and this is from a graveyard. Huh. Hmm. That is it's, interesting. I don't know if I'd want to eat turkey in a graveyard. Yeah, I know. I can't imagine. Maybe someone was having a picnic. It was a residual picnic energy or something. <laughs> oh, you hope. Yeah. It was weird. Not many people are buried with turkeys. Oh, um, I hope not. <laughs> I'm sure the turkeys would object. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, or they died from Thanksgiving dinner or something. <laughs> Didn't go right. Yeah, it wasn't cooked all the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, one of my, my family members almost got taken down from Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have the salmon moose. <laughs> so, Terry. Uh, are, what are your plans to do with this for the future? Again, uh, do you want to try and eventually get it into like national magazines, or you, what? What are your plans? With so, the syndication or something, or put it in magazines. I'd like to get it to do. Uh, there's a lot I'd like to do with it. I don't want to get too deep into it because I really want to take this to uh, I think like a pretty big level. So. I think it's got the it's got the meat behind it. It's probably out of all the cartoons I've done, and I've done a lot of pretty good ones. 
And I've had some come really close to syndication, too. I've been all the way to committee, and and it dropped off for some reason, because I guess I was meant to do this one instead. <laughs> okay, now you do have a gra- graphic artist background, correct? You're not, this isn't just something that you just no, whipped out. That whole book I put together myself, so. All right, now where did you go to school for this, or if that's a pertinent question for you? Yeah, University of Hartford Art School. Okay, so like I said, you have an artist background, and you've taken a hobby and what you've been trained at, and you melded them together in a sense. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I still do fine art too. You know, I haven't done any for a while, but I do sculpture and stuff. So, kind of a well-rounded thing, I guess. And you're saying that doing this gives you the most satisfaction at the moment. I can make jokes and be funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're a pretty entertaining woman when we got a chance to sit down and talk with you. And and, uh, now give us a little bit more background on living in a house that you said for 10 years that was haunted. Now, you said you were doing that before you started the uh, investigations. What kind of stuff happened in the house? Yeah, that was interesting. There was a house that, you know, we walked into it and you just felt completely welcomed. So it wasn't, there was no negative energies or anything in there. You just felt really at home. And my first experience is I'd smell pipe smoke. And I went to the, the, the whole trouble of running outside the house, and it was, it was cold out. The windows were shut, and I'm like walking around the house trying to smell for pipe smoke. I couldn't smell it anywhere. It was in the house. And I'd smell it on the porch, or, you know. And so I kind of figured out we had a little something going on there. And we moved in. And uh, we'd hear rummaging in the closet at night. And I'd go downstairs, and there's nobody rummaging in the closet. You know, there's only one closet. It's an old house, you know. And uh, the cats were sleeping, and so whatever was going on, we couldn't figure it out, you know. So we figured we had a friend on board. And uh, my husband and I would get, Robert would work in Brooklyn, and we were up in upstate New York, and he'd have, he'd have a long drive, so we'd get up really early, have coffee. It'd be dark. We'd sit in bed, have coffee. And uh, we were both sitting there, and I saw this wisp of light, like a trail of light that kind of appeared in front of our bathroom door. And I didn't say anything. But the next thing I know, my husband said, did you see that? And I'm like, yeah, I saw that. Did you see that? <laughs> we went back and forth <laughs> over that. And he did not believe in the paranormal until he saw that. So that was kind of his defining moment. And I had um, a couple other experiences. I saw, I saw a face at the end of my bed. Didn't look too happy with me at first, you know. It looked kind of spooky. Was it male or female? I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. Um, my husband was told to get out. He you heard know, this audibly. Audibly for him, I didn't hear it. He heard it. And uh, I was, we were sitting watching television, and there was a light, the picture on the ceiling. It was like someone ripped the the, the cover for the light fixture, and it fell right in front of me. Didn't break, amazingly enough. Freaked the crap out of me honestly <laughs> so that happened there was just some things when we first moved in like it, someone was like trying to make themselves known and uh that kind of settled down for a talk to a little bit sort of like the first place where you were talking about where, r- during college yeah kind of like that you know it's kind of let you know that hey i'm here too you know what are you gonna do about it <laughs> what city was this house in uh this is in uh, poquag new york it's uh, south of Poughkeepsie. So it's up there in New York State. 
Yeah. Did you learn any uh, any background history in the house? What could have been causing the haunt? Well, I found out after after I moved out, I actually went back and did a ghost hunt with my group. And I had a couple of psychics on board. And uh, I went with a list of uh, all the previous owners. And uh, we he was getting a J name, like a John or a Jim or whatever. And so I was asking for knocks for each of the people who had lived there. And when I got to Cook, you know, I got a knock. And I went back and checked it afterwards, and it was a John Cook that lived there. So we got a knock. We got knocks for John Cook. And then I got an EVP saying yes about that. So he confirmed both audibly as in a physical yep. knock sense as well as an EVP confirmation saying yes to his name. Yep. And then that, we, you know, we also heard him. You know, I asked him if he uh, he was responsible for the pipe smoke, and he said yes. Now, uh, you said you went back with a group. Was that after you moved out of the house? Yes. After yeah. All right. So, what was that like going back to the current owner and and uh, asking them about uh, you know doing an investigation? Did you ask them first if they were having any activity themselves? No, because no one was in it at the time. I I still owned it, and I just had I, I oh had, I got you. So I was able to get back in there. <laughs> Helps when you have the key. Gotcha. Helps when you have the key, and you know you can kind of do what you want. It's kind of well, like me with the Lizzie Borden house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an an interesting place. I'd love to have you up here sometime. Check that place out. Uh, lots lots of activity in the place. Uh, you know, if you got something going on and uh, we can work it out, I would. I'd I'd make the drive. Yeah, we definitely would love to have you. Now, uh, I've got to check with my friend Maddie here. Uh, we got to take a break, I believe, because we got some stuff. Yeah. We got to pay the bills, so to speak. Uh, so, if you hold on, Terry, we'll be back in a few minutes. Is All good. This is Matt Moniz for Spooky South Coast on WBSM. From the studios of AM 1420 WBSM into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. You, you say one thing, he said another, and everybody changes back again! Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Matt Moniz here, taking over the reins for the night. Here with Matt Costa, the silent assassin, and... Andy Lake of Greenville Paranormal. We're on the air with Terry Garofalo of Entities Are Us. And uh, getting back to stories here with Terry. Uh, Terry, now are there any other places that you've investigated that stick out in your mind? Um, let's see. Well, probably the biggest one is the Shanley Hotel. Good place. That place is pretty cool. That place is like totally haunted. I got... Some amazing EVPs from that place. <laughs> a lot of people say that. Now, you want to give a little bit of background history of the Shanley for the folks? Um, yeah, if I can remember much, what, what most of the background history. You're better off reading my cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a um, House of Ill Repute at one point, was it not? Was uh, They had a bordello on yeah. board. It, it, actually, it wasn't a necessarily of ill repute. It was a respected hotel, but all hotels, I guess, at that point had that sort of thing going on in the back. 
Mm. You know, it was prohibition, so they had the secret liquor room and all that. But uh, Roosevelt's used to go there and have their fundraisers, which I thought was pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely an interesting, but a lot of activity throughout that building as well. There's a couple of ghost children and a bunch of spirits, all kinds, and they're just, you know, really eager to like communicate with everybody. So uh, you know, they're they they come out and they you know they locked one of our investigators in his room. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was some strange stuff going on there. No, uh, that's not that far from you. That's in uh, upstate New York, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, it's about an hour from me, where I'm at now. Okay. Uh, any other places that you've investigated that have made it into your cartoons that you want to disclose? Uh, yeah, actually, I did, um, I did the Smalley Inn. Uh, it, it's a restaurant down in Carmel, New York. We did that with my group. That was a lot of fun. Uh, small place, but uh, you get... You get a lot of EVPs, K2 action and stuff. There was some cold spots going on and some, like, wild EMF stuff. Hmm. And uh, we didn't see anything, per se, but we had there was, there was some activity, so. Okay. I did a whole series on that. And um, let me see what else I've done. Um, hmm. Uh, I can't think. It's getting late. <laughs> Welcome to our world. Well, Terry, Terry, could you hold up some of your cartoons for our listeners? Yes. <laughs> yeah, sure, I'll hold them up. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine this. All right. Uh, we also want to you know, throw the phone lines open uh, if anybody wants to call in, 508-996-0500, or toll-free at 1-877-996-1420. And you can ask Terry uh, any questions that you like or Share whatever paranormal experience you wish to share. Uh, now, getting back to your cartoons. Now, a lot of this in the paranormal, as you well know, there's a lot of drama that goes on. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to ask you this. Has any of your cartoons ever caused any backlash to you? Have you heard anything negative? Uh, actually, no, not really. I haven't really had... Um, Anything significant come back at me, uh, which is good. You know, I don't cartoon to. I'm not a South Park cartoonist where I'm trying to offend somebody, and that's just not what I want to do. But you know, I try to kind of play it careful because there are people out there who do get offended pretty easy. Yeah, just part, to put it mildly. Yeah, right. <laughs> but there is a lot of drama in this field, and I don't know why. I don't get it. I listen to both sides of the story, and I kind of make up my own opinion in the end, but I just find it amazing that they just get totally bent out of shape. I did a cartoon about it, and I have uh, Arno getting upset because Paranormal State got into a, a place before they did, and they were Arno was all ticked off, and Arno goes, well, there's plenty of ghosts to go around. <laughs> yeah, I mean... That's my opinion. There's plenty of ghosts to go you're, around. You're not suggesting that there's egos involved in this uh, this line of investigation, are you? Um, there are egos in just about everything you do. Yeah, that's right. True. That's True. right. They're my hat. See, I put my ego in my hat, and when I'm done, I take it off at the end of the day, I put it in the corner, and then I don't have to deal with it. <laughs> well, one thing I've noticed about your, uh, your strip here is you do have the, like I said, the stereotypes that are... Are found it, and I know they're not designed after specific people. Although Merv and I do have a bit of a um, 
Yeah, there, yeah. Are some, there are some parallels. <laughs> yeah, interesting parallels, especially his uh, choice in hairstyles and being a former, you know, sound I saw you so. immediately as Merv. I, <laughs> that guy looks like what Merv would look like if he had dark hair. <laughs> but, uh, you know, does that mean I can sue you for content and not See, using my license, you know, not licensing my... Uh, Likeness without permission. Yeah, four letters to his name, four letters to yours. It begins with an M. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, we got her. <laughs> no, you. but I'm saying the whole thing, uh, I've seen this in so many groups, and I've worked with a number of groups over the years. And, um, yeah, you do have these characters, basically, in a lot of these groups. And you, you've taken them, and you've put them in a um, an, in, an entertaining light. And it's not that you're casting them in a bad light or anything like that, but you've made the subject entertaining. And I think that's been lost in a lot of this over the past couple of years, people taking it way too seriously. Yeah. You know, and I I want to applaud you for, you know, taking the lighthearted approach to it again, you know, making it fun and funny for people. Well, well, that's what I'm here for. Me, it's fun. I don't know. For me... People, characters, I mean, I just enjoy people for who they are, and I think that's why I like cartooning so much, because I like, I like pointing out those little funny things about people. And uh, to me, they're endearing, um, so I have to be careful, because some people don't think so. So when I do an endearing comic of somebody, sometimes I catch some hell, with, usually with relatives. <laughs> so, you know, well. But you, you, you have characters that are based on relatives? No, I don't. I actually, I, I know better. <laughs> I know better. <laughs> yeah, it would make sitting around at the dinner at uh, holidays kind of difficult. Maybe that's who offered you the turkey. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it was. Although <clears throat> my relatives shouldn't have been in that graveyard. So. As some people theorize, they say that some relatives follow you wherever you're going. So. And yeah. some people say that EVPs that you sometimes get are not necessarily entities that are there, but entities that you brought with you answering questions for you. Um, I wouldn't be surprised about that because I, I kind of question that because I do get a lot of EVPs, and I often wonder. I mean, why? You know, <laughs> is it somebody I'm tra- someone else that who's following me around, or is it actual EVPs from? The different places. The only thing that makes me think it's from the different places is the voices are all different. Right. So I think, well, it's probably not uh, Uncle Lou or anybody, you know. It's probably something else. But I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of investigators... We, we were... Oh, this is amazing. Okay. The graveyard that we investigated before we did Hope Mansion, my friend Robin, who was with me, mm-hmm. uh, her family is buried in that graveyard. So oh. We did some EVP work around her grandmother's grave, and I got some very interesting EVPs, and one of them said, I love my granddaughter. Wow. And that was, I'm waiting to hear, I sent those to her uh, via email, and she hasn't responded back, she probably hasn't looked at them yet, but uh, I've got a couple of tearjerkers for her. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. We got that, and she was talking about her Uncle Louie being, or, or Louie or something like that, I forget what his name was. Being particularly funny, and I got a vi- I got an EVP following that up saying I am. Oh, I, lo- I love it when they have those 
confirmations or questions. Now, now, Terry, being being a cartoonist, someone with artistic ability, have you ever tried to sit in a haunted location and just sort of soak up the atmosphere and and just automatically draw a face? I would to like see, to, to see if you could make that contact in, in maybe like automatic writing, actually draw yeah. draw a character of somebody in the environment. I would like to do that. I'd have to really kind of get in the zone to do it because you know I have to be careful because I go on investigation, I get all excited, you know, and then and so I kind of lose a little bit of that, and then it takes me a while to settle in. What's and that? then I get because I'm actually ener- energy sensitive. I can kind of sense energies. Well, there you go. That's yeah. Well, what I was thinking about was at the Houghton Mansion. You went into the um, the, uh, the the scrying room, into the dark room with the mirror, mm-hmm. and I was wondering if that would be a really good um, way of meditating and maybe you know using your talents as a as an artist to, to maybe use it for ghost hunting. Um, yeah, I I'm just a, just as comfortable going into a, a a room that doesn't have to be locked up into a dark room with a mirror. Yeah, <laughs> I found that a little distracting to some degree. Uh, but I had some interesting things going on there. I was sitting there, and I could something would block the light, and hmm. it would step out of the light, you know, and let the light come back. It was back and forth a little bit, and then uh, all you guys came racing upstairs, and it was gone. And it and I sat for another ten minutes after you left, and I still didn't get. I never came back again. Yeah, we kind of came up there like a pack of elephants. So maybe That's- if the, maybe if you did have something going on, we could have chased it off. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry I didn't get to doing the EVP evidence on that because I have that. That's in the in the queue to go up and for me to look through. Because um, I I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't pick something up in there. Yeah. And I also I say before we did the investigation and while the conference was going on, I actually took a walk around by myself just to get a feel of the place. And I walked into Witter's room. And holy cow, it was like someone staring me down and, like, pushing me out. That's what one of the Masons was telling Matt and I uh, earlier that day. He said uh, he'd be up in that hallway from time to time uh, outside Witter's room near the staircase, and he's felt the sensation of being shoved. Yeah, like somebody actually pushing down on his shoulder, just trying to push him down the stairs. I wasn't getting pushed, per se, but I psychically pushed. I could feel it in my third eye, like it just wanted me out of there. I walked in his room anyway, and I'm like, hi, how you doing? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I said, you know, I'm not here to bother you and just want to see what you got to say. And that was pretty much it. I haven't checked that evidence yet either, but I wouldn't be surprised if I got a response from that. Well, it'd be interesting if you did. Yeah, and we were up there. There was a group of us that were up there during the investigation, and I got a clear feeling that whatever it was was backed into the closet and did not want anyone in there. And they're like, you should go in there anyway. And I psychically knew I just shouldn't. I stood my ground, but I didn't go in. I would normally would just gone in anyway, but I just like said, you know what? I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> it's one of those things that my my intuition said, just just back off. Yeah. Now, what was your impression of the Houghton Mansion? Was that your first time there, or had you been there before? That was my first time there, and um, it has a good feeling to it. And for the most part, it's not a bad place at all. I don't feel that there's any real nasty energies there. I feel there's some that don't want you or who don't always like what's going on. Um, it's Fair kinda, enough. Fair enough. Okay. You go into the, the uh, I don't know, that, the, the library room there yep. on the first floor, and you, you just kind of feel sad. There's like a, just a melancholy about the place. I don't know if that's just from the... 
Well, it could be from AC's portrait staring down at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. <laughs> yeah, it is a foreboding uh, type of, you know, exceptionally large portrait of a man that takes up a good quarter of the wall in this big room staring you down. I don't uh, think he's happy about people going in there. I don't think he's happy about it. If he is there, which I'm, I haven't checked my evidence to find out whether I think he's there or not, you know, I always kind of hold that back a little bit. But he's not happy that you're there. He's like, you know, I, there's too many people, it's annoying, and he doesn't like it. Uh, it's definitely a big place. Mm. And um, were there any experiences that were uh, captured by people w- after we left when, during the investigation? Um, we actually saw some of those little sparkly lights, but they were on the floors of the upper, like on the, I think we were on like, the, I don't know if it was the second floor or whatever, second, you know, where Houghton's room was. We saw some of those lights on the ground. We had the EVP devices and the uh, K2 meters out there and, and, uh, we did get some K2 response from the supposed little girl in the basement. Yeah, they were getting K2 uh, hits uh, while we were doing our show. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we uh, we didn't have, unfortunately, we didn't have our cameras down there, but at yeah. one point, uh, uh, the three guys that were hanging out down there, uh, they were asking questions and, and were getting hits on the K2 meter. And you were also talking about those lights being seen, the... The, the sparklies, the as they called the them, yeah. yeah. I'd never seen that, not, not like at the ground, I've seen like flashes of light kind of more like you know up or up higher up like a people height or something like that but not not like on the floor i just thought that was strange i had never seen that before um it was funny because we were doing we were trying to get the, the kid to respond to k2 hits and the, the guy was leading the investigation i was listening to it i'm thinking i bet you that kid's really like think he's He's pushing her around, you know, and so I kind of, I, I asked the question, I said, is, uh, is he getting, is he too pushy with you? And the next thing you know, the K2 lit up like crazy. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's pretty cool. But as like, as Jeff Belanger pointed out, it's, it's kind of spooky to be hanging out on a Saturday night in a basement playing with dead kids. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> some shadows. Oh, I, and I went, when I initially went down there, I, I, I got video evidence I got to look at too, it's another thing. And uh, I um, I could see something like flitting back and forth in one of the rooms, and I don't know if I caught it or not. But uh, wow, are you aware that that's that's something that's been yeah, seen already. quite a few times by the uh, Mantellos, uh, Josh and his dad, as well as recorded. Yeah, I wasn't so, aware of that. I yeah, guess. they 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 see um, when the room where they have the circle of chairs set up. If you look yeah. up, if you look yeah. up, look up the hallway, yeah. there's like a there's like a half wall. Uh, yes. Blocking with the doorways, they see the. They say they see the little girl silhouette darting in front of that door all the time. That's what I was seeing. Wow! Wow! That no is. kidding. So you potentially have that on film. <laughs> I m- hope. So. Wow! Yeah, definitely check that video. Yeah. yeah. Holy cow! Yeah. I, now I really got to look at that. Yeah. See, now this is what I find really interesting. She's talking about an experience that she was unaware of that other people are having, and she's reconfirming what these other people are seeing now. There could be another natural explanation, you know, for this. But if it has, if it is, it has been explored, explored yet. Yeah, there's not a whole whole heck of a lot of light down there. Yeah, I mean, we were down there. The light on my camera was all that was guiding uh, Jeff and I around. Um, so it's yeah, it's hard to say. You know, headlights coming in from the street—that's not happening. Right. 
Wow, that's yeah. You definitely should check. Even Ron Colet told me. Uh, uh, I think back in two thousand seven, they were in the basement uh, on a warm summer night, and they were surrounded by a cold spot. And when the cold spot disappeared, they all saw that that little shadow dart by that doorway. That's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. Check your video. Yeah, definitely check your video and let us know if you find anything, please. Yeah, definitely. And let the Mantellos know. Oh yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, what was your impression of the third floor? Now, I know you're in the... Um, in what uh, is room, room and also the scrying room, yeah. yeah. Third floor, I found that pretty... That was really it, very interesting. The scrying room was interesting. That's kind of an, an awkward place to be because you're in a very... It's like a closet, you know? So you're in a dark closet. So if you're a little claustrophobic, it can be a little funky. And you're... And it's just... It's all geared up to probably, like, you know, just stirring you up a little too much, you know. But uh, I didn't get to, you know, it takes a lot to wake me out, so it didn't really wake me out too much. But I can imagine someone in there completely freaking out. But the third floor has Witter's room, and Witter's room is just, he doesn't want you there, and you just know it, you know. The rest of it's kind of quiet. At least that was the impression I got. But his room was the one that I think was most active. Now, what's interesting is I was in Witter's room, which is the location where we talked about uh, a, a person being seen and photographed in the window upstairs when it was actually filled with various materials. But I was uh, in the room after they cleaned it out and after the photograph was taken with um, Grant Wilson, and he had a K2 meter. Now, I'm not a big believer in the K2 myself personally, but... I saw some interesting things happen in that room with um, responses, and it was getting some pretty big responses in terms of uh, spikes. Now, number one, there's no electricity in that room. There's no electricity in that part of that house. And uh, where it's located, there's no other sources of uh, electromagnetic radiation that would have been going on to set this thing off we were all we all made sure that cell phones were off and uh nowhere near this thing and it, it definitely responded and i had um one of my night vision um, monoculars which has a lithium ion battery in it and it completely brand new drained right out right. at the beginning of the you know all all of the cameras and everything else that were in the room as soon as it started all went dead flashlights everything and anything electronic with the exception of the K2 meter, all went dead at, at the same time. Now, I found that extremely interesting. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, 2007, the same uh, 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 investigation I was talking about with Ron Kolick, uh, Thomas D'Agostino and his wife Arlene Nicholson were up in Witter's room, and uh, Tom watched uh, Arlene's 35-millimeter camera get slapped right out of her hand. The lens went in one direction and the camera went in the other. Whoa. <laughs> See, that was the feeling I got about going in that closet. I was like, I figured either I was going to get scratched, which is not the worst thing to happen in the world. But, but that, you got a splinter instead. I got a splinter instead from the psychomandium room. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to climb out of there, and I reached out for my EVP recorder, and I guess the wood isn't too good there, and I was like, damn, that hurt. <laughs> get out in the light and take it out. Well, just as long as it wasn't Witters biting you. Man, no one was taking a chomp out of me this time. <laughs> Now we're we're coming up against uh, the end of the show here, but I want to ask you a few more questions about um, where you 
plan on taking uh, entities RS next? Are there any locations that uh, we may be seeing coming up in the future that you have planned? Um, I don't have anything specific planned. We have a uh, Wingdale's uh, Psychiatric Center that has been closed. I'm trying to see if I can find a group to go in there with me and figure it all out. I have contacts that I might be able to get in there. I'm not sure yet. I have to kind of put it together. I'd like to do that. Um, I'm probably doing the Shanley again and because uh, Sal owns the Shanley and I talked about doing a comic book based on the Shanley. And so I'm probably going to go back to there probably in September and meet the same group I did from Ohio. I was I, I kind of investigate with whoever's available. I kind of freelance, if you will. It okay. kind of makes it easier for me because that way I can get out to do some different things. All right. And uh, where can people pick up your book and where can they check out your website? Okay. You can get my website at entitiesrus.com. That's entities-the letter R-US.com. And uh, you can find my book on there. Just go to the store and, and you can click on there. It'll send you to Create Space where you can pick it up there. Or if you, you can just Google on Amazon uh, Entities Are Us, go Center Comic, and you'll find me there. So either way. And uh, I'm pretty sure Maddie and we'll put up a link for you yeah, up on us. Uh, it's already uh, there. The front page of our website. So oh. people can go there and check it out. Excellent. Wow, that was fast. He doesn't well, mess around. Technology. <laughs> cartoon, you guys, so you can have a your own personal cartoon. Let's oh. draw you. You gonna do all of us from Spooky on there? Oh yeah, we can do that. Oh, cool. I think we're living cartoon characters. Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> we really are. And, well, I definitely want to thank you uh, very much, Terry, and um, we will hopefully be uh, seeing a lot of your cartoons on some of our spooky stuff as it comes up later on. Sounds cool. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're Good welcome. talking to you, Terry. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. This is uh, Matt Moniz, and again, like I said, for Tim Weisberg, who's out, and for Matt Costa, the silent assassin, and for Andrew Lake of Greenville Paranormal, I want to thank you all for staying tuned and listening to us, and uh, have a spooky evening.